September 12, 2023 was a typical warm and sunny day in downtown Los Angeles, California. The luxury apartment complex known as Sky at Bunker Hill, located at 234 South Figueroa Street, sits in the heart of the financial district of downtown LA with plenty of options for entertainment, food, shopping, and educational experiences. The area is a neighbor to Little Tokyo, Chinatown, Skid Row, the Toy District, and at least five different parks within walking distance. The building is one block from Interstate 110, which travels just under 32 miles north to south between Pasadena and coastal San Pedro, California. The building originally opened in 1968, but has since gone through a modern renovation. With 456 apartments and 19 stories, the complex boasts many amenities, great views from any floor plan, and a safety features, including keyless entry, controlled access, and courtesy patrol. It was here that after responding to a request for a second welfare check, police and building management found 31-year-old Melissa Mooney murdered in her fifth floor apartment. Melissa Marie Mooney was born on October 16, 1991, and was a realtor with Nest Seekers International Los Angeles Division at the time of her death. She was also an inspiring model and had very recently moved into her fifth floor luxury apartment in August of 2023. There wasn't much information about her background and family members online, but she has a living mother whose name was redacted in reports and a sister named Jordan Pauline, who was a very well-known Guyanese musical figure with over a million followers on Instagram. The reported timeline is as follows. On September 5th, surveillance video shows Melissa, a female friend, and a male friend entering one of the elevators to go to her apartment. On September 6th, Melissa was seen again on one of the elevators, and her car had a parking ticket placed on it. This was the last day her family communicated with her and the last day she was seen alive. On September 7th, an unknown male carrying plastic bags is seen on surveillance video using Melissa's key to enter the elevator on his way to her apartment. On September 9th, Melissa was scheduled to go to her old apartment to remove the rest of her belongings, but never showed up. By September 10th, Melissa's sister, Jordan Pauline, requested a welfare check. Her family became more concerned when her iPhone messages turned from blue to green, indicating that her network access had changed. She wasn't answering messages, which was very concerning for the family because they were all very close and kept in touch. Officers went to the unit, knocked on the door, but there was no answer. Because there was no sign of suspicious activity, they did not enter her apartment. On Tuesday, September 12th, Melissa's mother called the police this time, again asking for a welfare check. When police and building management went into her unit around 4 p.m. that afternoon, they looked around and initially did not see any sign of Melissa. They realized food that should have been in the refrigerator had been placed on the counter and noticed a pool of blood underneath it. When they opened it, they saw Melissa stuffed inside 
with the blood coming from a pool under her body. What is most unfortunate about this case, aside from the brutality of Melissa's killing, is that she was two months pregnant. In an October 4th interview between Melissa's sister Jordan and News Nation, she confirmed that the family did know of the father and that he and Melissa planned to go to the doctor to figure out all options, but they all knew she planned to keep the baby. She was very excited to become a mother. Police were aware of the father's identity, but Jordan did not think they had to question him yet about the murder. Although there isn't much background information on Melissa's life before this tragic day, we do have access to the autopsy report. I will go into some of those details now. The report is dated September 17, 2023, 8.30 a.m., signed by Dr. Sammy Sukar as the Associate Medical Examiner, followed by Dr. Bryce Hunt, Interim Senior Deputy Medical Examiner. The cause of death is labeled as homicidal violence inflicted by others. Melissa is measured at 122 pounds and 5 feet 4 inches. The report summarizes the following. Blunt force trauma to the head and neck, torso, and extremities. This trauma includes lacerations, abrasions, and contusions above both eyes, forehead, face, and scalp, across her back, left upper arm, left forearm, shoulders, wrists, and ankles. For those not fully clear of the differences between the labels of injuries and marks on the body, we interrupt briefly for definitions. Abrasions are rubs, almost like a friction or rug burn type of injury. Contusions are bruises caused by direct impact. Lacerations are the tearing of the body tissue in a jagged and irregular way. Ligature marks are marks caused by pressure and marks are left behind as evidence of such. Melissa sustained major head trauma with laceration and bruising above her eyes and to the forehead area, bruising near her pelvis and hips, a fractured left rib, and ligature marks on her wrists and ankles from bondage. According to the National Library of Medicine's website, rigor mortis appears approximately two hours after death in the muscles of the face, progresses to the limbs over the next few hours, completing between six to eight hours after death. Rigor mortis then stays for another 12 hours and then disappears. Liver mortis is the purplish-blue discoloration of the skin in the dependent parts of the body due to the collection of blood in skin vessels caused by gravitational pull. Hypostasis develops as spots of discoloration within half an hour to two hours. These spots then coalesce into larger patches, which combine to form a uniform discoloration of the body's dependent parts that have not been subject to pressure, which appears from 6 to 12 hours. The report states that rigor mortis is partially present and that liver mortis is faint, predominantly on the back of her body. There were no internal issues with her neck, chest, abdomen, cardiovascular system, or respiratory system. A brown fluid was noted in the stomach, but no identifiable food particles or pill tablets. She had no urine in her system. All remaining biological systems had no noted concerns. 
The description of how she was found is puzzling to say the least. When looking into the refrigerator with the door open, keep in mind north, south, east, and west to help us envision what is written in the investigative report. The top of her head was facing east with her right arm bent at the elbow and her left arm out of sight. Both legs were bent at the knees and both feet were in the southeast corner pointing east. She was wearing a leopard print romper and blue underwear. A pink sweatshirt partially covered her head with an animal print dress around her lower thighs. A pink dress was partially wrapped around her face. Wrapped around her neck was a gray dress, three rags, a pink vest, and a gold piece of clothing not specified. The pink vest was partially stuffed inside her mouth. Partially wrapped around her lower forearms was a piece of pink clothing not specified. Her wrists and ankles were tied with white phone charging cords, white shoelaces, and a black tank top. The black tank and a tan tank top were partially wrapped around her right ankle. The black tank was in between Melissa's hands. Her upper lip and right side of her lower lip appears dehydrated. Horizontal discolorations across her back and discoloration on both shoulders was present, bruising on the hip area and both knees. No defense wounds on her hands. Rigor mortis was absent in the very early hours of Wednesday, September 13th, the day this report is written by Detective Marcinek, who arrived on the scene at 2.40 a.m., clearing the scene at 4 a.m. Collected at the scene were all of the clothing items, the refrigerator, as well as her underwear, and a maxi pad mixed with blood and fecal matter. Cocaine and alcohol were found in her system, and the examiner states that the use of the cocaine was recent, but it is uncertain how much the drugs and alcohol contributed to the cause or reason for her death. Individual injuries that Melissa sustained on their own wouldn't be enough to cause death, but looking at all the factors, she was clearly involved in a very violent struggle. Homicidal asphyxia is also suspected, but could not be concluded one way or another. Melissa lived alone, but who were the male and female friends with her two days prior? Did the female friend know anything about Melissa's pregnancy? Melissa did know she was pregnant, according to Jordan, but she was also wearing a maxi pad at the time of her death, even though she had told her mother that she missed her period in August. Based on the timeline and footage discovered, I believe she died on September 7th when the unknown male went into her apartment with plastic bags. The public doesn't have confirmation of the time he entered or exited the building. Jordan states that Melissa was the sweetest person and would never hurt anyone. The murder in the way it was done is confusing, shocking, and heartbreaking. When we allow room for speculation, we wonder if it is a drug-related killing. American Addiction Center states that cocaine can stay in the system for up to two days after last use when doing a saliva swab. Although it can show up in longer timelines depending on whether hair or urine is tested, the autopsy report did confirm recent use. It is confirmed that she had the male and female visitor two days before her death. This is right on point in the timeline for the cocaine and alcohol to have been consumed. But the timeline also states an unknown male used Melissa's fob. We wonder, when the word unknown is used, 
If it means it could have been the same male visitor that was with the other female friend and that was a familiar face, or if this was a relatively new person in her life, was the fob stolen from a prior visit or given to him voluntarily? She had no defense wounds on her hands at all. Was she blindfolded before the attack occurred and therefore wouldn't be able to tell when she would need to protect herself from an upcoming attack? Did she know the person and didn't feel the need to defend herself at first? It appears like she was beaten, dragged, and then bound. But why go through removing all of the food out of the refrigerator to stuff her body there after all that effort of binding her and dressing her up in so many different pieces of material? Why not just leave her where she lost consciousness? This is sending a message. Her family members think her killer or killers are trying to sell her iPhone and MacBook because these items were stolen and showing Melissa as still online after it had been confirmed that she had already been murdered. There is currently no suspect in custody.